Gittleman from Localized.City, and this is my first apartment. As a native New Yorker, I'm fascinated by people's first experiences in this city and the story of finding their home, both physical and emotional. Today, we have Jarrett Murphy, executive editor at City Limits. I'm excited to talk to him because of the incredible NYC-focused investigative journalism he's produced at City Limits for the last decade plus and kind of learn about his New York City origin story. So thank you for joining us, Jarrett. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Let's start off by um, talking about, are there any articles that you guys have published at City Limits last few weeks you're especially excited about? Well, we have a great series going on about the campaign finance system. You know, the state is looking to basically ape what the city does on a statewide level. So we have a typical City Limits story digging into the weeds of that, what's worked, what hasn't, well, it worked on the state's levels. That's that's pretty good. And then we have some reporting coming out always about NYCHA, about homelessness. That's kind of our day-to-day. Nice. Um, I guess not nice about NYCHA no. or homelessness, but right. nice. Tough stories, but important yeah. to read. And yeah, we're, we're happy to do them. Um, and that's, I guess that kind of is the, the City Limits brands. Tough stories, but good reads. Yep. Bread and butter stuff um, and getting deep in the nuances. Yeah. That's sort of our, that's our, our cup of tea. So, and I'll, I'll spare the listeners right now for me to ask a lot of questions about your thoughts on the state um, funding system for campaigns. I, I know I have a lot. I know that's probably a, a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, and a longer one, too. And yeah. a, a, a very long one. Um, Figuring out, I don't know how much we should fund certain campaigns, whether or not an office um, that has a million dollar budget, we should spend $3 million <laughs> financing the campaign for that. It's a fair question. Yes, definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. Who, who knows? Um, <laughs> but it's, there's no clear answer as much of as mu- many New York City issues are. True. True. Exactly. Um, so I guess Jarrett was telling me his, the first apartment, Jarrett came to New York from, from New England. Um, yeah, I grew up, I was born in Boston, lived until I was six from that area, moved to New Britain, Connecticut, which is a small industrial town. And that's where I went to high school uh, and did most of my school. And it's effectively where I grew up. And when I was 18, I decided to come to the big city to go to college at Fordham University in the Bronx. And then you said, so your first apartment, 1999, was, was in Astoria. Can, right. can you tell me about that apartment? Sure. It's Astoria, Queens. Uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and I decided to move back to the city after about a year doing other stuff after college. And we had uh, a brief day of trying to find a place in Astoria because we knew that's where we wanted to go. It seemed like a cool neighborhood. Uh, we liked living in the outer boroughs. We liked the feel there. Um, we realized that the neighborhood was already being priced beyond our means, and we were very sort of lowly paid journalists, so that's not surprising. But we found out that our friends who lived there and introduced to the neighborhood had a free bedroom in their apartment. So we had a one-day search of actually being buyers, got quickly discouraged, and went to them and said, hey, why don't we just live with you? So we rented a room, and I think we paid 250 bucks each for a room in Astoria, very close to the Steinway spot, and it was uh, it was excellent. We loved, we loved the apartment. So before you settled on this, what was an apartment search in 1990? Was it like the back of the village voice? It was a lot of voice. I think that there were still, if Craigslist wasn't already in existence, some forerunner of it was, but it was a combination of those two, some word of mouth, but yeah, voice, maybe even some daily news. Uh, possibly, you know, Queens has always had, always had a pretty good network of like local community papers. So we might have used that too. But yeah, we saw four or five places and some of them were too pricey. Some were a little shady. One was nice, but we got sort of whisper told by the current tenant who was herself a, a young person that the landlady was a little too intrusive about social life and guests and stuff. Maybe a little too much of that um, parent that you didn't necessarily want living above you. So uh, that, that warded us off there. Yeah, I guess I've always thought my parents are 
are great people. I love them deeply. Um, they are not my favorite roommates. Right, right, exactly. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason why you uh, you separate at some point. Yes. Okay. So so you settle, and this was like uh, an apartment that your friends already had a lease for. Or? Yeah, they had a lease, and so this was a um, it was a three story building, kind of a very large building um, on a corner in Astoria, and uh, we rented one bedroom in a three bedroom apartment that also had a kind of walk in kitchen and a big um, kind of a dining room and a big den. Um, and it was us and two college friends. And over time, different groups of college friends floated in and out. Some slept on the couch. Some slept on both couches. Um, but we were there for, uh, for two years. So, but you guys had a bedroom. We had a bedroom. We had a bedroom and our own bathroom, which was oh. pretty sweet. And it's where I first did my, uh, my first taste of plumbing because we had to maintain that bathroom. So I got my first pipe wrench and figured out how to unclog a drain and things like that. I would be lying to you if I told you I knew what a pipe... I, like, I have a concept <laughs> of what a wrench is. Yes. Um, and I can imagine that there's a wrench perfectly sized for pipes. Right. This is the red one that has like the adjustable top. Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, yeah. When you have a pipe wrench, you feel like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. It's, it's very satisfying. It's very, I guess that probably was before the term fatberg was coined. <laughs> it was. Um, we might have been the discoverers of it, but not the coiners of um, the term. So, so to those who are not familiar with fatbergs, um, and I'll give my definition, you can then butt in with your definition of a fatberg um, if I'm missing it. So the fatberg is what happens when... Um, you flush the things you're not supposed to flush down New York City's aging, aging pipes. Um, that means, um, like, the basic ones is the cooking oil. You should not put cooking oil down the pipes. Um, another one is the flushable wipes. Um, that is a lie. They are not flushable. <laughs> um, totally I mean, true, tec- yep. technically, the, you physically you can, can flush, flush them. them. It's not a great idea. Yeah. E- exactly. Yeah. And right now, the city has, and it's this is kind of very aggressive, like, campaign that you're seeing in the subways, which it's really funny where like it looks like it's like the pharmaceutical it looks like the old like the the image of the fatberg looks like um i feel like one of the old athlete's foot yes like um commercials right right it's the germ that like tough actin to actin would eliminate on (laughs) on contact yeah Um, exactly yeah and and now um and now we are all aware i think new yorkers like i didn't grow up i didn't know what uh like the I, I guess the kitchen sink disposals were until because in New York mm-hmm. City those were illegal until like right. a decade exactly. ago. Exactly. So like that, like to me, the idea of flushing a wipe down a toilet in New York City, it's like that is sack. It's like right. it's like yelling on the subway at seven a.m. <laughs> um, and but I, I have friends who are like, of course we, of course you 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 flush them. So yeah. I guess what what were the plumbing issues that you had to deal with in that apartment? Um, a lot of uh, hair, maybe not just ours, perhaps a previous occupant mm-hmm. uh, clogging up the sink. That was the big thing, and then some toilet work too. And we had this great old hardware store down the street called Walter's Hardware, which I think might still be there. It was a hardware store so beautiful that it often was used for TV shows because the Astoria studios weren't far. So apparently it was a hardware show like on the Cosby show, hardware store on a Cosby show once. It had like old wooden drawers for things. And the guy who worked there was like the guy you would cast as the hardware store. He's always making fun of me for how much an idiot I was. And anyone who came in, regardless of what country they were from, even if it was his own, he would make fun of the fact that no one from that country knew how to design a building or maintain one. So regardless of whether you're Polish, African country, from an Asian standpoint, 
anybody. He had some sort of built-in stereotype to go, even Greeks, who he was. Apparently, his mind, no one knew how to build or, or maintain a building. It was kind of his approach to customer service. So is there is did you ever like pull him aside and say, which which nationality is the best at? He always intimidated me too much. I would just take my pipe wrench and leave. But, <laughs> uh, but yes, I should have asked him that. You're right. I feel also I feel like the Polish get a real bad rap. Um, yeah, I'm half Polish, and yes, we often do. Uh, but one of the great things about living in Queens, especially back then, is that Greenpoint was, as it is still to a great degree, a truly Polish neighborhood, which was which was kind of cool to go and see stuff that I had uh, eaten growing up. So yeah. yeah. Did the apartment have any like scents? Is there any like scent that you think of when you think oh, of that that's place? A great. The scent probably I would associate most with it is cigarettes. Uh, we all smoked. We all smoked inside. We did not dump our ashtrays enough. Looking back, it must have been disgusting. But at the time, it seemed fine, uh, which is odd. An indication of sort of what you are prepared to deal with when you're a young person in the city. But yeah, I think cigarettes. And we cooked in a, a remarkable amount of meat. Like we would buy like the, we had a George Foreman grill. If anybody remembers those, it was a miniature one. And we bought by the dozen like frozen hamburger patties and cooked them. And, you know, it, there was a tremendous amount of, you know, the, the ceiling in the kitchen had those kind of grease stains you get when you yes. cook enough. So it must have been a very meaty, smoky smell. Just, it's remarkable anyone ever came over to visit us. I just want to, like, call a cardiologist right now to make sure um, <laughs> that, that that Astoria apartment didn't permanently. I know. It might be indicative of, of problems down the road, yeah. definitely. I guess. So that's, so that um, the cigarettes in the apartment is something that I've always found. So, like, I, when I was in college, college in D.C., I visited people in college and other places, like, in college, people smoke cigarettes inside. Um, yes. But, like, I've only known one New York City apartment of friends where people smoke cigarettes inside. And it was, and as you mentioned, the ashtrays were always overflowing. Yep. And, like, every time I would pop in, it smelled awful. <laughs> um, and I just kind of wonder, like, when did people stop smoking? Because, like, I guess some people still smoke cigarettes inside. But, like, it might be an age thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a couple of years younger than you where, like, no one in my cohort smokes inside The anymore. Bloomberg bar ban on smoking. Was transformative. I mean, we could have an hours long podcast about the mayor's overall effect on the city, but I will say that that was a move that has saved tens of thousands of lives, definitely changed my life. And I think that really started to change people's approach, you know, to where you would smoke and just how much more pleasant it was to be in a place without it. Um, I think also for, for me, that ban happened at the time when people were beginning to move from like immediate post college to like adulthood. You know, by the time I was 27, we had we were pregnant and about to have a kid. No more smoking then, obviously. Um, and other folks began to quit like around that time. So it, it for me, it kind of lines up with a life cycle approach to when people begin to sp- quit smoking if they're just kind of college smokers. Um, but I think that helped a lot to make people realize that they didn't need to have it and they probably shouldn't. So were you still smoking when the ban went into? I like I was never a heavy smoker and I kind of would quit for months or a year at a time and then come back to it. But yes, I was a person who when the ban was imposed did smoke in bars and I was against the ban. I thought, you know, very few places where like a working class person can go have a beer, drink, have a cigarette. Um, it seemed to me like an intrusion upon that pastime. But very quickly after it hit, I realized it was better. Um, and also like we did then have a kid and we would go for walks and they would take a nap and we'd be like, 
let's go into this bar and have a drink. And obviously, if it were filled with smoke, we couldn't have responsibly done that. But if it's not, then the worst thing is that they'll, you know, get used to watching sports on a bar TV. And, you know, there are worse things in life. Yeah. No, I guess um, I've never, like, I was still in, I think, middle school or when, when the, the smoking ban went into effect. So I've never been into a New York City um, bar. That, so, like, every time I'm in another city or it's, like, Atlantic City where you can smoke, it's, like, it's a, it's a novelty. Yeah. But, like, I can only imagine, like, I know my mom's a poet and she would, like, come back from readings before the ban and have to, like, air out her jacket. Oh, it's amazing. It amazing, was, yeah. Yeah. And if you worked there, like, we had a few friends that were bartenders and it was terrible, oh especially God. because some of them did not actually themselves smoke. Yeah. But there was almost no reason not to because you effectively were. Yeah, oh, wow. That's yeah. That's something that that really did like change the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and New York was the first part of America that did that. Yeah, and now we were. You know, I'm half Irish. We were in Ireland this summer, and there, you know, very soon after Bloomberg imposed the ban, they imposed it in Ireland, which obviously has a very strong pub culture, and we're smoking. At that point, it was even a more strong part of it. Um, so they aped New York City too, and a lot of people have. I mean, in terms of ripple effect, that's had a huge impact around the around the world. I would say. I know, I know in 2013, one of Randy Credico's um, campaign promises was, a, was that if he became mayor, he would bring smoking back to bars. <laughs> um, and um, I don't want to get too political on this, but I think I might be one of the the, the five people that voted for Randy for mayor that year. Um, <laughs> I've always loved Randy. That was not my favorite part of his policy platform. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I mean I think that he was running as a vice candidate yes um, <laughs> i think he was generally was about rolling back the uh the restrictions on that and you know i think i remember in 2005 someone ran against bloomberg on like a basically restore the smoking and bars ballot line and she she was a cop who was running um on her own time and her like big campaign promotion was instead of buttons she gave out lighters with her information which <laughs> thought was very very clever she didn't win though no yeah. I, I, yes i mean the city would be a very different place yes I guess. totally smokier um, yeah smokier um and more dead yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I guess when you, so did you know when you were a senior in high school, I want to live in New York City for the rest of my life? So I'd come to New York when I was eight. My parents splurged on this trip and it changed my life. Like I fell in love with the city. I remember specifically, I, I used to get sick a lot as a kid. And so naturally on every vacation I got sick and I got a, like a really bad sore throat. So I was laying awake in the hotel room and I laid awake sick a lot as a kid because I just had like a lousy immune system. But at home in the burbs, it was always very lonely because it was like totally silent, right? But in New York, I, like I was, I had lots of friends. You know, the street was alive. There were things happening, sirens and shouting and people playing saxophones in the street. And I was like, this place is amazing. So I knew I wanted to live in a big city and I wanted to dedicate my career to doing something to do with cities Um, because I lived in a small kind of dying industrial city in in New Britain. And um, so I looked for colleges that were, you know, within two and a half to three hours of my home because I didn't live that far away and they were in a big city. So there weren't that many to choose from. And Fordham was one where when I landed there for a a visit, I realized it was the place precisely because it looked so urban. It was a little dirty. It was busy. It was crowded. It was frenetic. Uh, My very sweet suburban mom looked a little uncomfortable there. So I was like, this must be the place for me. That's that's a win. I remember yeah. Totally. My college search, I also, and I, I don't know why in retrospect that I said I want to live in a city. Like if I were to redo my college search, I'd be like, I want to live in like the hills yeah, and go hiking every day. or something. Yeah, yeah totally, like right. exactly. Like all those, it's like all the schools in like Amherst <laughs> there. It's like, why did I not think about like right, that right. you could just go hike? I, I have no clue what my 17 year old thought process was. It was yeah, like, yeah. I'm in a city. I'm used to cities. Cause like I had a driver's license. Like I right. like could have. Yeah. And if I like knew, oh, you're going to be, you're going to be stuck in New York 
for the rest of your right. life. Right, to take it like a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Four years, you go hiking, and you you probably go to class too if like you're there. Like, yeah, yeah. And, 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 like you're in a city, it's like why why go to class? You right, can do right. there are a million other things to do. Um, so I guess um, if you were to if you were 23 again, would you move back into that apartment in Astoria? Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, we live in the Bronx now. We have for 17 years in the same neighborhood. Nine as homeowners, and before that as renters. Um, and I love the Bronx, but Astoria just—I st- think because of the time in our lives—it was just kind of magical. You know, you were so close to Manhattan. Um, Queens is just such a wonderful place. Um, you know, we would take exploratory walks every Saturday and just kind of explore the borough. It, it's an amazing melding of cultures. Um, you know, we really, we really loved it. And you know, it's hard to turn back the clock. Our friends wouldn't be there now, obviously. Yeah. But um, but yeah, if I were twenty three, I'd definitely go to the same place. It was it was worth it, and I did get a couple pipe wrenches out of it. So <laughs> where where in the Bronx do you live now? I live in the Norwood section of the Bronx, so nice. end of the D line. Um, it's very close to where we went to school. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, after we got married, we moved to London for a year, came back, and moved to an apartment there in two thousand two, and moved two blocks away for a house in two thousand ten. So nice. Yeah, we are uh, we are old timers in the neighborhood now. So I guess if you were if you were talking to another twenty three year old today, what advice would you give them about New York, about finding an apartment, about like just like where like one of the things that like you, people this isn't on the main checklist, but all, turn on all four burners is one of the things where it's yeah. like I've seen so many apartments where everything's beautiful, the water's running, the shower's brand new, and then you turn on, it's like oh, the cooking gas doesn't actually work. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I'd say is, and I've actually had to give this advice recently to a, a new employee who, who came from out of the city is, you know, don't write off any neighborhood as too far or too boring because it's always going to change and it's every part of the city is interesting and, you know, it's hard to find affordable stuff now. So if you need to go far afield, you do, but, you know, don't, don't write any place off because it has, you know, doesn't seem to have the, the chic um, of Manhattan or of a, a cool out of burden neighborhood. But I would does, say sorry to interrupt. Does Manhattan have chic anymore? I'm sure it does. You know, I think so. I mean, like, I think now people are looking more like Inwood, Washington Heights, and yeah. I think I don't think anybody thinks they can afford the Village anymore, or Lower East Side. But I think it still has the the idea of being close to the center still has appeal. Um, and you know, for practical reasons, right? It's a long subway ride from my apartment, yes. my house now to like go to something cool in the city. But the fact is, there's cool stuff to do lots of different places. And the other thing I'd say is, if you're considering an apartment, um, go back at night. Like, mm-hmm. take a walk down the block at night. That's where you see if, like, you know, is it a place that um, some commercial hauler uses to basically route their trucks through and it's going to be so noisy you'll never sleep? Um, is there, like, you know, something crazy happening on the street at night? Um, you know, it gives you kind of a sense of what the building is like, not when someone wants to show it to you. So definitely take a walk past sometime when the, the super or the landlord or the agent is not there and you can kind of see what life's like. Yeah, shameless localized.city plug. We actually, um, on our site for listings, include info like that. If you're on a, um, a truck route, Mm-hmm. If um, you're near one of the bars that based on 301 calls are the loudest or um, smokiest bar. So this is like the kind of stuff that, yeah, it's, this is the full story. Yes. I mean, and using data to tell the full story. Because, yeah, I mean, like I've, I guess one, my, my first apartment in the city was at 13th and 4th. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I would have, I like, I, I grew up in the Bronx. So like my whole, and like I went to like public school in Manhattan. So like my whole, the first like, I guess not 18 years, but there's that four year period where I was just like miserable that I had this terribly long commute and there's nothing that would have kept me from moving to Manhattan. Right. But like after I like left that neighborhood, I like realized, oh, you can have quiet. Like you're like literally my like front steps was Union Square, which is very convenient. 
but like it's like it's la- there's like no relaxation. Where I assume in Norwood, you you get home from work and it's like almost serene. It can be, it can be, yeah, definitely, and that's part of what we like about it. The other advice I always give this is like a very dad thing to say because I'm a father too now. Is when you have an apartment, always buy a fire extinguisher. It sounds oh. like old, like granddad advice, but like I had one in our apartment in the Bronx, and I had to use it to put out a piano that was on fire in my hallway. Oh wow! So think about that. Imagine if you were coming up the stairs and you saw a piano on fire and you were unable to react to it. How bad would you feel? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm like <laughs> gears are turning in my head. I don't have a. I don't have. There's zero percent chance I have a fire extinguisher. Right yes, now. I don't even have renter's insurance right now, which is like, and I've. Actually, I got, you know, like those phone calls you get where it's like, hey, the insurance, whatever on your car is going to expire. And it's like, what are you talking about? I don't own a car. Right, right, right. Um, Like I got one and like about insurance. And then I I talked to them about um, renter's insurance for like a while and they like gave me quotes. Yeah. And then I like gave them my email and then they never replied. And it's like, oh, this was a scam. This whole thing was a scam. It was totally. Um, But I hear there are a lot of (laughs) very easy. It's worth doing. Yeah. Yeah. For peace of mind. Chances are you'll neither never need either, but it's good to have each. All right. Um, well, I think I think that roughly. Is there anything else you'd like to add about your first apartment or apartments in general? No, I just want to thank Mr. and Mrs. Nick, and uh, Todd and Tim and Matt and Eileen for for making it a cool experience. Yes, um, I would like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Nick as well. Um, if not for them, who knows um, what city limits would be doing right now? <laughs> exactly. You showed up to New York and moved out. Um, right. So, thank you so much, Jarrett Murphy from City Limits, joining us on My First Apartment. If you want to join us in My First Apartment, or if you have any suggestions, um, shoot us an email. My email is Aaron G at localize.city or tweet at us or DM us on Instagram. That's at localize NYC on both of them. And if you need to get an apartment, check out localize.city. All right, thank you. Thank you.